I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20 A quick disclaimer, we currently have three little girls from ages 2 to 6 playing, so please excuse the extra background noise. Thank God we don't have the baby anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, this is... Uh... This is episode four for Witness Podcast, and I'm Caleb Lytle. The introduction was by Peyton Lytle, and we are here with uh, Tim and Shara Dye. Hello. And they are uh, they are ministers of uh, Freedom Church. This is the head pastor and his wife. Who does a lot of the administrative work keeps it going on the float and and freedom church is off of uh what's the address for freedom church uh 2225 airline drive in bozier city louisiana and it is actually our home church that you probably hear about a lot right now because a lot of the testimonies we get naturally come out of our home church first so mm-hmm. um this is where uh where it all happens at yeah thanks for having us yeah thanks for having us over all yes right. this all has right. been nice really well, um, I gotta say too that um, what you're what you're doing with the podcast is is really interesting. Like letting it be organic. So I'm sure some people tune in. Maybe they listen to other podcasts, but it's kind of refreshing to kind of have a format like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For those who have not noticed, we do not professionally produce the podcast. <laughs> believe it or not, we sit at our kitchen table with our guest. Usually, why our giant puppy is barking in the background. So the best we can do mm-hmm. so far there's not a puppy sound so we're we're doing well we're doing yeah. good. for now something's probably wrong and there's probably not another podcast where you're gonna hear baby shark in the background yeah. i might bust so, it out in a little while just one, for fun if it happens this well, is the one for you yeah because someone's listening in their car with their kids you know and you just kind of need a need a praise yeah. break a little baby shark break <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so we're gonna get into uh, the testimony uh tim and Cher's testimony uh, you know, about how they came to, I guess, closer to find the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit and how yeah. he's operated in y'all's life. So are you, who wants to go first? Um, I'll go first. Yeah, go ahead, sir. So um, Caleb asked us to give a little background of how we met. So Tim and I are both 41 years old. And we've been married for six years. We just celebrated our sixth wedding anniversary on uh, the 21st of June. <sighs> And we met actually on ChristianMingle.com, which is funny to a lot, funny to me, because I had not long before I met him vowed I would never do online dating again. And I got bored one night and decided, hmm, let me try this again. And this was successful. But if you're listening and think, oh, man, she married a pastor. That's exactly my dream. Hold your roll, because that's not always the case with online dating. It's not always. (laughs) I don't think the success stories are just abundant um but we did we met on there and i'm from houston uh texas and i'm proud to be from houston texas and then uh tim here was from louisiana so we met um we actually met on the mingle and talked for a while oh you gotta do you remember the first time that we talked on the phone and Mm. you were like yeah this guy has a serious twang (laughs) no i remember your laugh was a little weird oh was it was it my laugh it was your laugh i was like i remember the word twang no i that's how i got you to actually use the phone because we emailed y'all for three weeks and i was like i am done with this emailing you know through the website which was even more cumbersome than your own email because you have to like log in check it you know all this mess and so 
three weeks go by and I'm like, okay, are we just pen pals? Like what's happening? And so, um, she was wanting to fast track things. No, I was not. Three weeks is not fast tracking. Three weeks of writing novel emails is like novel. Were you worried that you were prison pen pal and didn't know it? Like you were just waiting to find I had already Googled him and checked out a few things uh, he had said. I never thought of that. Oh yeah. No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a world-class, I'm a sleuth. So I was like, cause you gotta be careful online dating. You know, there, there are crazies out there. And so I, 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 you know, he told me some things and so I checked it out and it was legit. And so what, no, the way I got him to call me was I put at the end of like one of the emails, I said, um, so like, do you have a Louisiana accent? Like, and then he responds back and he was like, yeah, sure you know, do. I do yeah, that. Maybe we should talk. And I was like, finally, like, dude, like how many more hints did I have to drop? Which by the way, after dating for eight months and being married for six years, I still have to do. So Hints don't work. You have to just say what you need to say. Yeah. But um, so anyway, yeah. So we met. We got married in eight months, and uh, it was awesome. We had the best time getting to know one another. And then the day we got back from our honeymoon, we went to Tennessee, and we came back. And the very, very next day, we immediately were catapulted into ministry. Hmm. Tim was not the senior pastor yet. He was a uh, at the time rotating with a couple of other guys that were preaching as well and kind of leading the church through a time um, after his father had passed away that was the pastor of the church and so um, we just dove right in and it was hard to say the least we we started with remodeling our kids wing which the remodel was very tight budget and only things like painting and just cleaning up basically what we did and we threw this little by this excuse me little vbs at the end of the summer um, and it was like 10 kids and me coming from a, uh, my background is from Houston. So I, I came from a mega church, Sagemont church off the South Beltway in Houston. And so I was used to thousand kids at vacation Bible school, mm-hmm. but God is still in 10 kid VBSs as much as he is in a thousand kid VBSs. And it was great to be able to use our skill sets to do this. And so we were just took a very version of it and just scaled it way down to fit that uh, amount of children and um it was it was great you know and so i and i think like um just being thrown into ministry Mm -hmm. we have been together on everything for sure ever since we uh, started dating and uh, got married Mm -hmm. and that's been a been a whole thing but it's been uh pretty crazy to to do ministry together but to do it together yes um it's an honor you know because it's not like that for every person i mean there's lots of people out there doing ministry that either are you mm-hmm. know bivocational or their spouses have other jobs and and so this has been nice to be able to have the freedom to do um as one and do all day long every day mm-hmm. um and to give a little background too we work we lead worship and we um Tim also preaches and teaches, and okay. so we kind of have a lot of little areas that we excel in and get to get to do, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I know this is a little off topic, but it's always intrigued me, Sherry. You came into Tim's life and into his family at a time mm-hmm. when they'd very recently lost his father, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, how was, it was three how months was that coming into. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because um, I was I was nervous when I he came to Houston first to visit and meet my family, and then a few weeks after uh, him meeting me and my family officially. I came here, especially the day after Thanksgiving in 2012. So they had lost his father in June. I show up in November, 
and um, I knew that it was their first major holiday without him. And I mean, this is the patriarch of their patriarch of their family, and I was keenly aware of that. And thankfully, the Lord has always given me an understanding to situations and knowing how to adapt. So I came in there with already that knowledge, and I was staying with his mother. So she was opening her home, which if you know Janice Dye, that's who she is. But I didn't really know that at the there time. There was no better person to stay with in that situation. Really, honestly. But I brought her, um, I made a batch of tea cakes, which is a southern cookie that actually I didn't know about until he mentioned it one time. But I looked up the recipe and I made them. And I made um, a batch of sausage balls, which are also something that is kind of traditional to like holiday time. It's so traditional that I literally made tea cakes last week. I made lemon tea cakes. Yes. Just so I had never heard of a tea cake. Because Houston, while a lot of Texans like to claim the South, it's not technically the South. Um, but if I, they're listening right now, they're probably just they stopped hearing this. They don't want to listen anymore. <laughs> and they're like, how dare you blasphemous uh, like that. But I'm sorry, Texans. You're not technically part of the, the, the South as it was deemed. But anyway. So kind of in Texas, you're your own. Yeah. Oh, like, Texans are super snobby. It's like, where we, are you we from, basically, Texas? We're basically or, our own country. Yeah. Yeah. And I learned that when I moved here. I was like, ooh, I was kind of a snob. Yeah, our youngest was born in Texas, and I think we have to get her a passport, you know, to keep her. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're snobby. And then I'm from a, the fourth largest city in America, so that also brings about its own snobbery. Mm-hmm. So I had some humbling and some repenting to do for my, my little attitude. But Maybe anyway. Maybe a big city of Bozier. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, where there's no, nothing to eat much here. But that's probably okay. But so um, I brought her the tea cakes. I brought her the sausage balls. And I brought her a pound of Texas pecan coffee. And it just won her over. She thought that was the greatest thing ever. And I just was just being what I thought. You know, I mean, I technically did grow up in the South. So you, when you stay in someone's home or someone welcomes you in their home, you bring something. And so I brought that. And it just, every, I think everybody got put at ease. And so, I mean, I just kind of fit right in. And um, it was just such a joy to be around them. They're a loving family. They're funny. They're loud like my family is. So it just, I didn't feel like I had to not be myself. And so that was great. And we just, I don't know, it was just kind of like from then on out. But yeah, the as far as the grieving goes, there was definitely um, a lot of that going on. But I, what I witnessed about his mother that was so profound and still gets me six years later is that she worshiped the Lord. And still was just welcoming, loving, caring, and showed up for church every week and was not going to let that deter her from her walk with the Lord. In fact, I think it just strengthened it. Yeah. Um, she had the assurance of where her husband was. She had the assurance of that she would see him again. Um, and I'm not trying to sound cliche because I think we can kind of cliche up death a lot. Yeah. And, um, and so she just, but she just, just I don't know, I, I just marvel still to this day at her. Yeah, I'm, I'm always amazed at Janice, you know, and I, we've known her for, what, two years? Mm-hmm. But we've seen some, you know, seen her go through some rough patches. Obviously, I'm sure we'll talk about in this podcast. But sure. one thing that's always amazed me is there are times that no one would blame Janice one bit for taking a step back. Oh, and yeah. Taking, for if she said, you know what, guys, I'm not doing thank- family Thanksgiving this year. I'm not going to be at church this Sunday. I'm not going to do it. And instead, it's just been the exact. No. I don't know if Janice knows what a podcast is, but she needs to come on sometime. She, <laughs> she would be a great person. I think, I think the, she I think have to show right her how on. to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and just to like talk freely and just ask people questions about how they've, you know, um, just overcame, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, my background spiritually was uh, raised in church, you know, as her being my mom and, and dad. <clears throat> and... Um, Things didn't really click for me until my 
um, mid to late twenties. I was, um, I, I knew the jargon. I knew the, um, I knew the lingo. I knew, I knew the, the dance. I knew the, I knew everything. But really, things didn't start to make sense for me. So going back before Sharon and I met, um, God had really been working in my life in my mid to late twenties, back in like 2005, 2004. Those were really um, moments where God just began to, to. Um, I guess the overarching thing for me was the the moment that I realized that He loved me, <laughs> and He wanted to have a relationship with me. Mm-hmm. And it and it wasn't tied to building. It wasn't tied to, um, it wasn't tied to anything other than just um, interaction, mm-hmm. relationship, communion. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that has really shaped my faith. Um, that I let go a lot of the uh, standardized um, stuff that. Christian Christianity gets bogged down in mm-hmm. a lot of that standardized, um, just I, I call it Christianese. Just, it's, it's almost just weights, uh, extra stuff that we put on people, you know. And and um, and I think the church meant a lot of good in doing uh, some of that stuff back through what I I because I grew up right in the thick of it, shared it too, mm-hmm. um, and you guys may have too. But uh, especially in the denomination we grew up in. There was so much about doing and mm-hmm. really not about being. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think of the scripture that Peyton opened up with. It's, it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. That I'm living this, this life that I have right now in mm-hmm. the flesh, which means I have an old nature. But every day I try and show up with this mindset and this reality that if I do mess up, he's, I'm okay. He's got me. But it's a it's almost a compelling motivation to say from that acceptance that I can live a good life, but not a good life, but a godly life mm-hmm. in him. Mm-hmm. And um and and life just kind of takes on another look um when you really just begin to strip it all down. I was talking to someone this morning. One of the one of my things that I've been on the last I would say five years is that God really wants to do more undoing than he does doing in your life. Yeah. And I feel like the more stuff, uh, layers just kind of peel off, uh, I feel like a person can, you talk about witness, like that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's like exuding Christ without even opening your mouth. That's like um, lifestyle Christianity mm-hmm. is like, I know who I am. I am identified with him. I'm walking in the authority and the empowerment of him. That's right. And I may not even open my mouth, but someone knows that I'm a witness. Someone knows that there's something different about my life. That's right. Because you just begin to carry this thing that's outside of yourself and outside of what you can do for him. I don't think God's really concerned a lot with what we can do for him. It's who we are for him is really kind of where I'm at. He doesn't need us. I mean, as, again, the Christianese cliches that we like to tout around. He doesn't need us to do anything he can do anything mm-hmm. but he uses us and it it's really a surrendered a surrendered life like that's good. he can't use mm-hmm. something that's not surrendered to him mm-hmm. and so um well i believe in god but i don't you know this jesus thing it's like well you're not surrendered to what he needs to use you mm-hmm. and it's not that he's asking i i, I encounter a lot of people that i think believe that it's 
well, I've got to live this certain way and I can't, you know, do these fun things that I like. And I always tell people, just like, just take that off the table. Take it off the table and just surrender your life to him and and maybe do a couple of things, you know, like attend church because it obviously it helps, okay? Um, for those people that think that, well, I don't have to attend church to be, ah, I would beg to differ because that's part of, the gathering in the place with the people that are like-minded to be sent out. We know there's 167 hours between Sundays. There's one hour on Sundays we come together to celebrate. You do need it. You need it more than you need a lot of things in your life that you would gather for and become a part of that aren't as fruitful. Um, And it really just empowers you to be around the same kind of people. But then you get thrust out into a world that's not like that. Um, And so living a life of surrender is not about what's getting taken away. It's about what you get. And so I gained so much more for being in Christ than I did outside of him. And it doesn't matter. It's not about doing like what the world offers. Like, well, I just, you know, I love blah, blah, blah. I feel like the more I surrender to the Lord and the more I say, God, just like he said, become a part of me inside of me, Christ that lives in me. That stuff becomes trivial. Like Tim and I, a lot of times we'll talk about something that we used to do when we were in our wild days. Um, and we had some, y'all, so don't think that we're sitting here like, we grew up in church and everything was hunky-dory and our life was just a bowl of roses. Because um, if you caught the 41 minus 6, we didn't get married till the age of 35. So there was a lot of years there of learning and um, kind of going through some trials and then just our own sin nature that had captured us for a while, too. Um, I became a believer at 10. And I came from a broken home. My, both my parents, um, they were divorced. My dad got remarried lived with him lots of you know it was not a pretty picture i know i'm not going to get into all that but um i dealt with a lot of rejection abandonment by family um a lot of slander like both kind of sides of the family would like to slander the other parents so i had to grapple with that and um i began to go to church Um, my stepmom took us to church she became a believer my brother and i got saved and um but i didn't know what it meant I mean, as 10, no, no 10 year old really knows. I mean, they, all the way, they could totally surrender their life to Jesus, but they don't really know. And so growing, um, as I grew and y'all can hear our daughters, but that's cool. Just think past it. Our daughters are best friends. Yes. They love each other. They remind us about every 15 minutes that they are best friends. Mm -hmm. But so. I think you said something up that that's really important there that you, you made me think about. Mm -hmm. Um, the like trials have have um, have are always there. Every yeah. one of us will go through trials, and and I think one of the greatest things we do is when we look at trials. It's it's um, I was talking to a guy this morning, and um, and and he um, was going through a situation, and he just texted me. So I don't really know the outcome of the situation, but I'll wait until you know later to check my text message. But the point is, is that um, God had led him directly into a trial. Because that's the place where he wants to prove things inside of us. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think that because uh, this particular guy, and if it's not this guy, it's you, it's me, is that God wants us to be steadfast. He wants us to be faithful and he wants us to be obedient. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to be proved in us until we go through something. Sure. And I think yeah. to go back to Janice's story, what you were talking about, Peyton, is that um, what, what causes her just to, just to move is that I think she always like, and this is what I want for my life, and I'm sure this is what a lot of people want for their life, is for whatever happens, for for us to to see that as a place where God wants to prove yeah. some things in us. Well, yeah. Go ahead, Peyton. Yeah, and I was just gonna say, you know, that 
it kind of reminds me, me and Caleb attended a Bible study before we came to Freedom Church for a while, led by a guy named Dusty Young, who was a very uh, incredible Bible study teacher, but he talked a lot about uh, the valleys and the mountains. And he yes. said, you know, the mountain is fantastic, but the valley is where you do all your learning mm-hmm. and all your growing. He's like, the mountain is yeah. great, but you got to pray that you are in a valley at least often That's enough true. to learn Honestly, <laughs> what you need to learn. I, I like the mountain. It's cool and all, but uh, I'd only like to stay there for a couple of days. It's like anything else, like a vacation. Like, I'm like, yeah. I'm done with the, I'm done with it. I like the mountain, but I lose all sense of responsibility on the mountain. Yeah. You know, that's and, that and if you think about that and mountain and valley. Too. Like, yeah. yeah. It's like you're on vacation. You're there for a few days and then you're like, well, now I just feel fat and hot and this beach has a lot of sand on it and I'm ready to go back to real life, which yeah. is kind of where we, we kind of live in the valley as Christians a lot of the Well, time. and we've, we've actually been navigating through quite um, a lot of valley the last couple of years. That's yeah. it. Um, mm-hmm. Just through, um, and I'm just going to be real. Um, we've had some persecution, and I don't mean persecution like I mean the church is under persecution all the time. But uh, and there's a lot of you know uh, other areas of the world that are going through far more than we could ever dream or experience about here in, in America and Western culture and Western Christianity. But um, you know, being in the position they were in, doing what we do, um, gleans a lot of um, opinions. And judgment and just sometimes things that are um, unfortunate, you know, and we've made mistakes, you know, like they don't give you a manual for marriage. I mean, that's hard enough on it, but thrust ministry in that and a new child. We had got pregnant six months into our marriage and I mean, we weren't even married a year and I was like huge. You know, I'm pregnant. And so our first anniversary was probably at Baskin Robbins, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> Seriously, though. Um, but... Uh, it's been, that's been hard to navigate through. And then, um, so the last, you know, just dealing with just people, you don't realize the church is a hard place to be. And it's just still, we're human beings. We're fallen human beings. Adam and Eve, boom, they set the ground for us all. And so we're not, um, we're, A, we're, we can do it ourselves. We're prone to, um, you know, judge and do things without even really thinking. And I think that's why we constantly have to live in that presence of God and that place where we're saying, okay, God, you know, yesterday I got into a conversation that wasn't really holy and I needed to deal with that mm-hmm. first with you. And maybe I need to go even sell that person. We should probably have not talked that lengthy about that situation. You know, it's like Christians joke that like, well, oh, I have a prayer request for you. And then you get into like, well, who do you want to pray for? Well, so-and-so they're just going through a hard time. And then you verge on that edge of gossip and slander. And, and so that, that has happened to us a lot, and that was hard, you know, launching. We launched a new church in 2016. Um, and then last year, um, Tim's sister and um, her son-in-law passed away tragically in a car accident in Canada. And that was kind of in the thick of everything that was going on. Um, you know, not thick, I should say. It wasn't quite the thick, but kind of still going on a little bit. Then this happened. And that was just horrifying. I mean, it was by far, and it's Tim's sister, she's my sister-in-law, but by far the most grievous loss I've ever experienced because um, she was my friend and my sister-in-law, but she was, she was a wonderful aunt to our daughter and just a wonderful person in general. She served in our church. Everyone knew her. Um, she served in the coffee bar. Our, our, um, her son-in-law, Nick, was just a tremendous um, man, and he was a young father, so they had a very young son, and just an awful circumstance, and I don't want to get into all those details, but getting that phone call in the middle of the night, literally, the call everyone dreads happened to us, and 
I still think about it pretty regularly and, and, and we're still dealing with that. It's only been, it'll be a year in August. So we're here in June and, um, you know, still dealing with that weekly. It seems like, you know, just grieving and being sad and trying to figure out how this life works without two important people in our life. And, um, and then navigating our church through that too was also, we talked about that on the way here, as a matter of fact, just how God led us through that. I'll say something about that just briefly. Just uh, when you got back from Canada, when Tim, Tim got mm-hmm. back from Canada, the first service, uh, it was an remember. amazing service because Tim and, and, and Janice and, you know, you share it. If there was ever a time where you would want to be mad at God and say, okay, I just need some time, but nobody did that. You know what I'm saying? And I remember just watching that, that first service and how powerful that was to, you know, you didn't go into blaming God or you, you know, I don't know if you were mad at him or blaming, you know, or whatever the case may be. I'm sure a little bit of that might have been there, but, but to just continue to carry the word Mm. and to go back, it was very, very powerful. That always sticks out in my head, that service there. Yeah. Do you remember what I preached on? I don't. Me neither. (laughs) <laughs> Me either. It was just the presence. That you were I, there, I I can remember uh, how that uh, even through the the thing. So we're talking about trials right here. We're talking about you know uh, walking through seasons of of darkness and valleys versus mountains and how much more incredible uh, mountains are. I mean valleys are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But and and I think you're right. I think that um, I think that sometimes you look back and you're like. How in the world did I stand through that? Mm-hmm. And it's only a testament. So, where, I mean, you might be listening to, to this podcast thinking, why am I tuning in? You, you might are in a season. You might have just came out of a season. Mm-hmm. Or you might find yourself in a season. And I have come through that whole process. I, I say there is a grace for that. Yeah. There's a grace for that. Yeah. There's a grace for that. And the more that I use that language inside of myself, it helps me to frame everything going on in my life that... Because I can say, looking back, I can say, I don't know how. I, I don't know how I, I preached the, the funeral uh, for them. But all I can say is this, is that his grace was sufficient for me. Oh, man. In that moment. That, um, just that time period from the second we found out to, I guess you want to say post-funeral, which took a while before we were able to have the funeral due to the fact that they were all in Canada at the time. So it was, it was almost three weeks from the time of their passing to the funeral. And so there was a lot of, it was like being in limbo mm-hmm. a little bit. And, um, you know, this waiting game of, of trying to get all the arrangements made. And, and that was a lot, you know, with, I guess, you know, being in another country. So um, by the time it all <clears throat> happened and it was over, you just sit back and you reflect on it. You can't, it is a lot of times a blur. But um, we, we look at the goodness of God through that time because we saw a church, our church that we loved, just show out like we've never seen. And just to know that you had support and were surrounded by such good people mm-hmm. was, and that's what the church exists for. An, it an exists family. to support, not just through death, but through uh, celebrations. You know, we get to celebrate. <laughs> we get to grieve. I mean, it's that scripture I think we just read it the other day as a matter of fact you in your message series right now about um just we we grieve with one another and we rejoice with one another and so we 
we, you know, it's like bringing the meals to people when they, when someone passes away. Everybody's real apt at doing that. Um, but then it's like, what about the other seasons of life that sometimes someone just needs just a, hey, you know what? I thought about them today. Maybe I should go out of my way to go and, and just, I'll take them coffee or, you know, I do a lot of times I send a little text out, hey, thinking about you today, prayed for you or, you know, God, you are worthy of the love of God. Like I said that to someone yesterday, you know, you are worthy of God's love because I feel like a lot of times we don't feel worthy because we're hard, we're dry, we're, we're, we're wore out, you know, and to have the response that people have of like that timing was so perfect. Like it's simple. It's not hard to do and surround people with love and comfort and, you know, their needs. I think sometimes too that um, we get so caught up on surface things that really prevent us from uh, personal transformation. But then um, we forget the value of the church and fellowship and a family mm-hmm. uh, through situations like what we've dealt with mm-hmm. is that we, we, we lose sight of that. And um, one thing I've been thinking about lately, too, is that, um, is that sometimes we find ourselves in cycles of repeat, of trying to get uh-huh. through. Uh, and, and then we, and then it's like, it, it becomes so hard to break out of things. Yeah. And I was like, so how you, how you tie in like my spiritual background to like dealing with things that, that uh, unforeseen things that just happen. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then still trying to like grow this church, um, inwardly, I'm not talking about my numbers and just talking about oh, grow, yeah. to provide content for people to, to grow, to chew on, to consider. And it's like, we have to stop. We don't want to be a church that just always goes after surface things. Yeah, There's so much low hanging fruit that we could just, we could go to seed on that and like always do that. But it's like, it never, you're in counseling. You, you, you're, you're in counseling. We're, I'm in counseling. You are a We're all counselor. just a bunch of counselors. Um, some of us are licensed. Some we, of us we're, are. We're super, super big into the uh, therapeutic world, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, we just went but, to counseling today. We'll just throw that out there, too. We, we love counseling. We're, we're I think the more I think the more um, that that you really get into and allow God into, um, I told this to a person, someone the other day, and I was like, you know, he really ain't concerned about your cigarettes. <laughs> You know, someone had told me that when I was he's, a smoker. He's really, he's really <laughs> wanting to me get at your heart. So, like, and, and believe you me, I'm not condoning cigarette smoking. I'm not condoning anything like that. But mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes we've gone after some things. It's performance that, gospel. So take this. Um, so take the idea of um, the tragedy. Hmm. What do you do in the midst of that? And in and, and the fallout of everything that happens in life, God wants to speak into your innermost being so that he can strengthen you. And sometimes we, we lose sight of that. And when you say earlier, you said he's not so much looking for, for you to stop smoking as sure. he is looking at your heart. Tell, him, tell what the listeners what that means because the heart in the Bible is such a great topic to mm-hmm. study. So what does that mean? Uh, in your opinion, I mean, I think real simplistically, I just use my own story, and I think Shara can use her story mm-hmm. of 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 even smoking. I mean, and my story was is that I don't think people are inherently going to hell for dipping tobacco. I don't think that that's a reality. I think that I think that people are separated from God because they refuse to be obedient to Him, mm-hmm. and so that might mean I can't I can't have a Facebook account. <laughs> For some, or I cannot be around Diet Coke, or I cannot be around Budweiser, 
So wherever that is for you, I think the more that you're honest in that, um, that, that the more that you find breakthrough in, in, in just walking in the spirit in everyday life. And I think for me, what it was, was that, um, I would try to give up this certain thing in my life mm-hmm. and I never could, mm-hmm. but, um, until God showed me that, that where I was actually going wrong was that he was speaking into an area of my life and I was refusing to allow him that place of authority. But I would hide it in front of everyone else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I would but I would do it openly in front of him. So something as simple as as for me was was dipping tobacco. Um it, I didn't get breakthrough until I allowed him to inform my heart of why I was why it wasn't right. And some people would say, well, that, what, what's, what's that got to do with anything? It doesn't have anything to do with anything other than can you hear his voice and obey his voice? Mm-hmm. And I think when you look in the Bible, I think because no one was doing the same thing in the Word of God. Right. No one was doing. No one had, there's no co- co- uh, copy and paste ministry. Because right. um, we have different problems. Well, and we have different problems. We have different purposes. We have different. Um, we have different mental makeups. We have different personalities, and uh, some of the things I struggle with, Cher doesn't struggle with. Right. I mm. mean, uh, and some of the things she struggled with, I'm a breeze at. I'm yeah. like, and so I feel like that, you know, um, you know, just getting at a personal relationship uh, and 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 really allowing God to speak into your heart you means know, that you quit looking at some of the surface things. And then you just begin in the core of who you are. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. It does. So just in, just in to sum it up, it's more of like your dad telling you to do something. Um, it's like making and a bet. Do it. Yeah, and it's just like if you, you do it because you have honor and respect for your dad, That's which it. is which is Abba, which is our father, right? right? And not so much about um, not so much about you know the anything else just just more of the obedience aspect to it and, it. and following okay and also and i don't know if you get into this too but you know different things have different root problems for different yes. people you know like oh, for caleb for one sure. of his things is he can't drink coffee he can have coffee about once a week if he has it every single day he's manic he's anxious me i can drink two or three cups of coffee have no anxiety thank you no lord nothing. can we I just talk about that <laughs> Caleb, I'm sorry you're so deprived. Yeah, I know. So it, we talk about that all the time. Because I have a long list of deprivations for me, me and the Lord. <laughs> That's another anyway. podcast. And, you know, and, it's, and it's funny because, you know, I go to the doctor not long ago and find out that I have really low blood pressure. And she's like, yeah, you know, if you drink a cup of coffee, you know, once in the morning, once in the afternoon, it's really going to help your blood pressure reach the normal, the level of a normal person's blood pressure. And it's like, okay, so I don't have this problem. I legitimately don't have the problem that Caleb has for a very legitimate medical reason, but I think that that delves into like a ton of habits that we have. Oh, for sure. Um, so, do you like coffee? Love it. Okay. And so that's even more crazy. Could you is that me a pot of decaf, please? I know. Like, it's sacrilege. Like, I don't even know what to do. <laughs> this right is good because it's like Caleb's over there. If you could just see Caleb's face, he's he's really going to town on this. I do. I love coffee, and and it is so bad for me. And I have, I've always overindulged myself. You know, I was an atheist for 20 years. And I just anything that felt good, I did. And I did over everything. Right. So everything you did what you were was, supposed to do, though, as an atheist. Though. I mean, I did. And, and so really? now he's just like pulling back layers. And, and I'm a fighter, you know. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, Me too. I want to be obedient. You, this, you know how is, you get called in. Go ahead. This, this is just a funny little sidebar that always makes me laugh when we talk about this. Caleb is the reason that I drink so much coffee. I did not drink coffee whenever I met Caleb. This is good. Wow. Whenever I met Caleb, we met working at waiting tables at a restaurant in college. And yeah. one day he texted me, like, hey, can I pick up a little coffee on the way to work? I said, oh, thank you. But I don't drink coffee. And he goes, oh, I'm going to fix that. And oh, almost, my. Almost you did. the minute that I was, like, hooked on coffee where I could not survive without it, Caleb's like, I'm quitting drinking coffee. So... You know, he created this monster as well. Well, incredible. kind of Tim, too. I think I created more of a coffee beast in him than... And now he's kind of the one that knows a lot more about, like, you know, how coffee brews and the... The coffee snobs. I've always been he's, a fan yeah, of coffee. Yeah, he's catapulted behind, but beyond me now. He's more knowledgeable at the beans and all that. I, yeah. I want to touch on something you said a little while ago mm-hmm. about um, kind of that... Thing that we're the surface level. I heard a podcast recently by a guy that I've been following that I love. His name's Carlos Whitaker, and he wrote a book called Kill the Spider. And it really spoke to me because he used his testimony um, having a, a struggle with pornography, and he was leading worship and doing things for the church. And um, while I've never struggled with that or had that issue, I related to him because he said he kept trying to stop and he would do things like he would try, you know, put apps on his phone and, and have accountability partners. And he would try all these things. Um, but it wasn't until he, and, and he, he referenced it using an analogy of spiders and cobwebs. You know, you got, a, you got a spider in your house and it weaves cobwebs in the corners. And you go and you take the duster and you clear the cobwebs out. But yet the spider keeps coming back. Mm-hmm. Maybe for a while it doesn't. But you, you have to keep constantly cleaning out the cobwebs. And he said, you've got to kill the spider. That's good. And it spoke to me, and I was like, gosh, that's so good. Literally, I found myself like weeping hearing this story because, you know, each one of us, I mean, if you think anyone in ministry has it all together and they seem like they have it all together, they probably have it less together than anyone could imagine because we don't have it together and we never will have it together. We can break free from things. We can have victory over lots of things. I'm not the same girl I was 20 years ago by no stretch of the word. Two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, Six months ago. I mean, shoot, the last, I feel like the last year and a half I've grown more spiritually than I have in 35 years of knowing God since I was a 10 year old or I guess, no, I'm not 45. Hold on. Whatever. You know, do the math yourself, people. I'm not math, but (laughs) sorry. But I became a believer when I was 10. I'm 41, whatever that is. Um, I feel like in the last year and a half, I've really grown in a, in a place of just having peace about, like, God has transformed me, and he's going to continue to transform me. New wine, wineskins, all of the things, clay, potter, clay, all the things you read about in Scripture, he is doing that. And I don't want to be unmoldable. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be un. I want to grow. I want more of him. I want to know him more. And so this kill the spider thing, I'm like, all of a sudden I'm looking around. I'm like, okay, I got to kill some spiders in my life, you know, and whatever it is, if it's worry, if it's anxiety, Mm -hmm. I've had anxiety too, Caleb. So I understand maybe I shouldn't drink as much coffee as I do. Um, And I still, every now and then it likes to try to creep into me and I have things that I do. I'm like, no, you know, you're not coming in here. Um, whether it's spiritual anxiety or whether it's just, you know, sometimes physically we can get that way for if we don't sleep good enough, you know, all those right. things. But uh, kill the spider, you know, and, and, you know, be open, be honest. And if you've got something going on, confess it, talk to about it, talk about it to somebody. I feel like there's so much freedom when we finally just say, I've had enough, I'm putting this out there, you know, and that God can do just amazing things through yeah. that. I feel like a lot of times we try to be these things and you just can't do it. You just can't do it. So we like to lead with that kind of transparency and honesty of, you know, like we talk about our counseling a lot. I'm, 
I'm fine. We're in marriage counseling, and it's okay if you go. So, it, and then, and then it's like, I guess I don't know if we're wrapping this up or not. We keep going or whatever. Um, but, um, so where are you? Spiritually. Where are? Where have you been? Um, I think the greatest place for any journey is knowing that it's not a sprint. It's just a marathon. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes uh, it's a process of growth inside of us. Mm -hmm. And that when you do begin to kill these proverbial spiders, that um, you're really getting at a place where God can really transform your heart. That's Um, where he went with it. It was a heart transformation that helped him overcome. That was the spider. It was, it was getting to the the part of you that's where it's malleable. And you know, until your heart transforms, it's just a bunch of confidence. And do I hear both of you saying you had to go to God and say, okay, change my heart because yes. I can't do it? Oh, for sure. Is that what I'm hearing? I think, like he mentioned earlier, it became a lot of unlearning. The way we were raised was performance-based. It's like, mm-hmm. don't do that. Don't do this. You know, God does not like this. Like, I don't know how many times I heard God, God's not happy with how you're Don't acting. drink, don't smoke, don't, oh, yeah, don't, don't use profanity, don't, don't do don't these things. Don't listen to bad music. Well, it's, it's a math problem. Subtract these that's things. That's it. Add there these you things, go. Oh, you very good. That's cut. a great analogy. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. And then, but see, <laughs> even in the last, for me, my, my, part of my testimony, so I meet Tim, I get married at 35, I moved to Bossier City. I've only gone to one church my whole life, and it was a great church. It was very Bible-based. I mean, incredible men of God who had been to seminary of doctorates teaching the Word. But there was a lack in me, and I knew that lack because there was something that, like, I knew about Holy Spirit, but, again, the denomination I grew up in didn't really emphasize that power of that spirit. And so I came here, and I began to question, did I really have that power inside of me that I was starting to hear? And over the last six years, I have made new discoveries in in the triune of God. It's Jesus, it's God, it's Holy Spirit, three equal people, and equal in power, yet one God, of course, I don't want to get into explaining the Trinity. That's a whole other thing. But I, I I, believe in the power of the Spirit. The Spirit's with us. Jesus is in heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father. We're awaiting his return. So here we are with Holy Spirit, this God-formed Spirit that lives inside of us, that's with us here right now, and learning how to tap into that and seeing God do things I've never witnessed in my entire life. And that has been an incredible journey to be a part of. And so... Painful, yes. Yeah, but you rewarding, know, rewarding, yes. It's all like the same thing. Yeah, everything. And then still, God uses still going. All. Hey, God, I don't understand this one hundred percent, but I'm open to it. Like, just help me to understand. You mm-hmm. know, give me wisdom. Um, Bible says, if you ask for wisdom, He will give it freely. Um, and so I'm like, okay, give me wisdom on how to navigate the situation, but Spirit lead me. You know, I'm not trying to sing the ocean song. Spirit lead me. So weird, but. It's hmm. true, though. Spirit lead me, but spirit do things that I, I want to see miraculous yeah. things in, in, in the kingdom of God. There was a uh, there was something I was listening to recently, and um, it was Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands, and he was doing a talk. It was from several years ago, but the, the point was is that if you really mean business about about serving the Lord, about following Jesus, then you have to win the spiritual war. Mm. Like you have to win it. Like, and that made so much sense for me coming out of um, some some trials, uh, seasons where there's been trials and, and trial by fire and all that. Mm-hmm. That it's not automatic. Like, and then <laughs> he, he kind of took it to um, the Book of Joshua where they actually began to lead Joshua was uh, 
charged to, to lead the children of Israel actually into the promised land where Moses and them had wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. They never actually went into the promised land. But um, Joshua began to do that. And he there, it's, it is so incredible of what you read through the book of Joshua because he starts out saying, be strong and be courageous. And mm-hmm. through that whole series of, of that book, Joshua defeated 31 kings. Mm. Like this, this like undid me when I read this. Mm. And like at the end of Joshua, there's 31 kings is listed. These are not just kings. These are armies. These are kingdoms Mm -hmm. that he defeated. Mm -hmm. And we serve the same God. Like we serve that same God. He's still, and he's alive in us now. And I think we don't credit that enough either on the other side of saying, no, I can do this. And and then that, I swear, I think Paul says that we are more than conquerors mm-hmm. to them that love Christ. And I think that um, if you want dynamic shifts, do you want to turn a corner in your life? Do you want yeah. to see God show up tomorrow, tonight, whenever you're listening to this podcast and just say, if you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, then I want in on that. Mm. And 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 help me get some spiders out of my life. Help me get help me get some root things out of my life, so that I can win the spiritual battle mm. of this season. And I think too, just to to round it out too, is is sometimes you have to be willing to unlearn what you've learned. That's it. Mm-hmm. And you say, you know, it's kind of like if you were to just do a menial task. Like I'll use making your bed. Well, I've made my bed this entire way for twenty five years, and this is how it's made. There might be a better way to make it. And I'm just saying that, like, for our Christian faith, now that may seem like like very shallow sounding, but I like to use like simple things, because there is to me always you can always be better at at at, at following God. Mm-hmm. It's not better in like you're getting a prize for oh you're better today here's yeah. your A plus. No, it's just that growth and maturity and and all of that can be so beneficial to um, the walk, you know, the walk with the Lord. And that, that you just don't have to say, well, you know what? Life seems pretty good right now. I think I'm done. Because that's the second that life gets turned upside down. And then suddenly you are thrust in the trial yeah. of and, and kind of almost forced to grow. But it's a good time. It, it's hard, but it's good growth. Yeah. Even good. though it's hard. It's weird. It's like oxymoron. So it's a paradox. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think a big thing, too, that one of my favorite sayings is you don't know what you don't know. So mm-hmm. you just... You know, you go through life that we talked about how whenever you're a kid, you don't know what it means to surrender to God. And then, you know, you find out, you think you know, and then when you're 20, you find out you don't know what it means to surrender to God. (laughs) And, I mean, I'm 26, and I'm finding out every few months this is not what I thought it was at all. And I think that we all have to be willing to to grow. I mean, you you know, we just talked about a pastor briefly who had preached for 53 years. If he had given up on learning and changing, he would have run out of sermons a very long time ago. That is absolutely ago. true. In fact, I love him because I remember, this was years back, but I mean, 53 years, This was a, he was still well into his pastorship, and he would have other people preach or teach on certain, you know, like Wednesday nights, and he would take notes. And I thought, wow, here's a man who has multiple degrees, you know, he's a, got a doctorate, PhD, all the things, maybe not PhD, but he's, he's called Dr. Morgan, so I assume that he's got something. And um, yet still taking it in and and studying it and listening to other teachers and receiving it like we it's rabbi why they called him rabbi you know like i can constantly go back to the gospels and get something from each each time jesus preached or taught or 
you know, gave us miracles or taught us in parables. He's going to, he's going to continually teach me. Yeah. It's never going to end. And I love that. All right. Well, um, we really appreciate you two being on. That was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, it was um, fun. My first one. Yeah. And I still yeah. feel like we barely scratched the surface. We might have to have you all back, you know, just periodically. Though. That'd be awesome. Maybe we could, like, go topical or something, like, specific. Or... Yeah. I mean, I we was... can try to go topical. I don't know how well that's going to go, but we can try to go topical. I don't think we could. Actually, now that I think about it, none of us are topical type people. <laughs> no. We're, we're, we're ADHD. It's fine. So well, this, is, this is episode four of uh, the Witness Podcast. Uh, it's a podcast about testimonies of Jesus Christ. And uh, this was with Tim and Sharon Dye, who are the, uh, the leaders of uh, Freedom Church off of, in Bossier City, off of Airline Drive. And uh, we really appreciate it once again. Thank you all for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, you can rate and review us on um, Apple Podcast app or in the iTunes store. That helps other people find the show. You can also subscribe and download the episodes. We are now on social media on Instagram at WitnessPod and on Facebook at WitnessPodcast. And if you have a testimony that you want to share with us or if you have any comments or questions, you can email us at WitnessPod at gmail.com. And we really look forward to seeing you guys next time.